welcome to the Littleton Chambers Sports Law Podcast. My name is Graham Anderson. And I'm Jamie Suskind. This is the first in a series of informal discussions about the sports law topics of the day, hosted by the barristers of Littleton Chambers. Okay, Jamie, what are we talking about today? Well, we've seen the news this week that Russia has announced a 68-strong team of track and field athletes to go to the Olympics in Rio. But there's just one problem. Russia's banned from the Olympics. Yes, that is a problem. So this podcast is going to look at the law and the legal framework underpinning the ban and the options open to the Russian athletes and basically ask what's going to happen to them. Okay, well, this all started back in December 2014 when there was a German TV documentary that exposed the extent of state-sponsored doping in Russia. And that led, in the November of 2015, to WADA publishing a report on that. 17th of November 2015, you get the IAAF provisionally suspending ARAF, which is the All-Russia Athletics Federation, as an IAAF member. June this year, 17th of June, IAAF has upheld its ban and it's amended its own rules to create an exception for Russian athletes to compete under a neutral flag, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Then on the 18th of June, the IOC has said that it's not going to intervene in the IAAF position. So all that's outstanding for Russia is the CAS challenge, which I think is going to be decided maybe 21st of July or thereabouts. So do you want to walk us through the kind of regulatory framework for this? Absolutely. Let's start at the top. The World Anti-Doping Code gives responsibilities to international federations to regulate doping among their athletes. In particular, Article 20.3 of the World Anti-Doping Code delegates responsibility among other things, to national federations in order to establish rules which require athletes and athlete support personnel to be to agree to be bound by anti-doping rules in conformity with the code and, moreover, to take appropriate action to discourage non-compliance with the code in the usual way. Wow, did you know that off the top of your head? I did. That's all from memory. So if we're looking at track and field athletes, the relevant rules are the rules of the IAAF. Yeah, and it's, well, it's Rule 22 that says, if your national federation is suspended you can't compete. Exactly. And so the legal position until the 17th of June this year would have been that the the Russian athletes just simply couldn't turn up to the Olympics. However, Rule 22 has been amended, and we now have a new definition of athlete called a neutral athlete. A neutral athlete is basically someone who's granted special eligibility to compete in one or more international events, such as the Olympics, in an individual capacity. Okay, so who gets to be a neutral athlete? The answer is in the new Rule 22-1 Big A. And basically, there are three alternative options uh, if you want to compete as a neutral athlete. Okay. Despite the fact that your international federation uh, is currently suspended. Sorry, your national federation is currently suspended. Mm. Um, The first is that the suspension of the national federation was not due in any way to its failure to protect and promote clean athletes. Okay, so that's obviously none of these Russian athletes are going to get through on that one. Correct. The second one basically provides, though, and this is one. This is 22.1a.b, yeah. that if the suspension of the National Federation, so the Russian Federation, was due in any way to its failure to put in place adequate systems, if you can show that that failure does not affect or taint you in any way because you were subject to other fully adequate systems outside of the country for a sufficiently long period to pr- provide substantial objective assurance of integrity and that for such period you've been subject to fully compliant drug testing in and out of competition, and I'm paraphrasing there. 
oh, then you can qualify really, as a neutral person. Isn't that really, really stringent? Because if you're a clean Russian athlete who just so happens to be have been in Russia but has not been taking any drugs, you can't get through that. No, because you need to show, to quote, the comfortable satisfaction of the council, close quote, that you are subject to other fully adequate systems outside the country. If you're that athlete, you're basically left to fall back on provision C, which is that you have to show that you've made a truly exceptional contribution to the protection and promotion of clean athletes, fair play, and the integrity and authenticity of the sport. But obviously this provision isn't going to apply to all 68 of the Russian athletes named, is it, Graham? No, well, they've already announced that Yulia Stepanova, who is the athlete that blew the whistle that led to this all starting off, is going to be allowed to compete, presumably under 1AC there. But personally, I can't think of any other Russian athletes who would necessarily fall under that, although how strictly they're going to apply those, that definition, I'm not sure. So to go back to Russia's unilateral declaration then of its 68-strong team of track and field athletes, yeah. uh, which has been reported, among other places, in the Moscow Times, mm. they're not looking to compete under the neutral flag, are they? Well, they might be. I think they've applied. But I don't see how they're going to get through any of those definitions. So really, this is just Russia naming its team in case its appeal is successful. Yeah. So if I'm a Russian athlete, then, who's currently in the process of applying to be a neutral athlete, where do I go to find the law that tells me what criteria, what factors will be taken into account when processing that application? Okay, so on the 17th of June, the IAAF issued some guidelines as well about the process you go through. So these guidelines came out at the same time as the amendment? Yeah, exactly. And there's a, there's a paragraph 7, and its subparagraphs tell you what the appeal board is going to look at. And what sort of stuff are we talking about? What it's really looking at is the extent to which the athlete has been exposed to the infrastructure of the National Federation. So paragraph 7.1 says... The nature and extent of the applicant's contacts with officials, coaches, doctors and other support persons from the National Federation. So it's not good enough then just to have lived in another country. You know, there's going to be an investigation as to how much uh, Russian officials and support staff have been as assisting you. Yeah, and especially in light of some recent con controversies, doctors as well. Uh, but that's not, that's not everything they look at, right? No, there are 11 different subparagraphs there of stuff that they take into account, but... In any event, it's looking like a really high hurdle. That's right. I mean, more, more like a pole vault, because <laughs> the Rule 22.1a itself actually says that the more important the international competition in question is, the more corroborating evidence the athlete's going to have to provide. We want to get a conversation going about key issues in sports law. So if you're interested in this stuff, you can follow us on Twitter, at Littleton Sport. And if you want to submit comments or feedback, then we're available to be contacted at our email addresses. I'm at js at littletonchambers.co.uk. I'm ga at littletonchambers.co.uk. We're very imaginative like that. And you can also contact um, our sports law clerk, Tim Taring, who's, at, who's tim at littletonchambers.co.uk. Thanks for listening.